You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. So yesterday in Ann Arbor, the 116th renewal of the Ohio State-Michigan game, Chase Young did not register a single tackle. Shea Patterson threw for 300 yards against the country's number one defense and at times looked unstoppable. For the second straight week, Justin Fields was on the turf clutching at his knee, writhing in pain, and would have to leave the game for several plays. And yet Ohio State wins 56-27. J.K. Dobbins ran for a career-high 211 yards and four touchdowns. Justin Fields threw for 302 yards and four touchdowns. Freshman Garrett Wilson led the Buckeyes with 118 yards receiving. Ohio State will face Wisconsin, a rematch uh, with the team they beat 38-7 last month in Columbus in the Big Ten title game next Saturday night in Indianapolis. So guys, before we go around the horn with initial impressions, I want to ask you this question. Can we consider Ohio State-Michigan a rivalry anymore? Paige, what do you think? Uh, wow, coming out with just haymakers, Zach. Before, uh, I wasn't prepared for that. Before you answer, let me just give you a couple more stats here. Ohio State has outscored Michigan 119-66 to 66 in the last two matchups. They won eight straight, 17 of the last 19. Go ahead. Is this a rivalry anymore? Yeah, I, it, it definitely is a rivalry. That being said, um, I, I, it, well, I, I was going to actually start off you know, sort of my session by saying I was actually pretty damn impressed with Michigan. I was actually pretty damn impressed with Harbaugh. I was impressed with their game plan. I think, you know, all right. I, 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 I give them a fair amount of credit. And, and what essentially happened was we just have too much talent, right? Yeah. And, and the talent at the end of the day just went out. The players at the end of the day, for Ohio State were just too much for Michigan to overcome. Uh, that also being said, you know, you can't have costly mistakes like they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are killers when you need to execute flawlessly. You know, when you are, and that when I say inferior team, I don't mean it disparagingly, but they were the inferior team. They had to play a perfect game and they couldn't do it. But I also think that is, you know, partially due to Ohio State, right? When you know the guys lined up across from you are just better, you press. You you do things. You know, you you you're you're trying to do too much, and that leads to mistakes. So, um, and and then the last thing, I guess, to your question, doesn't it kind of feel like maybe Michigan is Ohio State circa, um, God, what year? Two thousand seven against Florida. 2008 against LSU where something has to change for Michigan because they're just not at the same level as Ohio State. That being said, still a great freaking rivalry, I think. Okay. All right. Tim, what are your thoughts? Is this still a rivalry? Yeah, it definitively is. Um, You know, if you think about how nervous we all were for this game, um, and particularly throughout that first quarter where I agree with Paige, they played as well as they can possibly play. Um, You know, it just, your heart rate doesn't get higher for any other game. (laughs) And so it is. And I, and I think the other reason it is, is because 
I think part of where Ohio State is as a program, and to your question specifically about the Michigan rivalry, is born out of the 10 years of or 13 years of abject failure that we went through under Cooper. <laughs> and I yeah. think that that hardened and crystallized uh, the focus on Michigan. And I have to guess that they're going through that themselves right now as we destroy them year in and year out. And whatever the answer is, if it's Harbaugh, if it's somebody else, if it's a change of the program, if it's a change in recruiting, all of which they need, they they will come back with a renewed focus. Um, and, you know, I agree with the question in the sense that it hasn't really been a rivalry for 30 years. Mm. Uh, you know, Michigan won, you know, virtually 10 in a row, uh, you know, or, or 10 out of 13. And then, you know, we've won, as you said, whatever it is, 15 out of 16. That's, that's not a rivalry. Um, but, you know, there have been some close games in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the tension is still there. And I just think the focus on the Ohio State side is way bigger than it is on the Michigan side. And then all the things Paige said, I mean, it's the, the recruiting, the talent level, um, and, and I think Michigan will get back there, and I think that it, it will get back to a more balanced rivalry. I don't know when that will happen, but I do believe it will happen. Um, and, you know, I think part of this is that they're going through what we did in the 90s, and, and it will change for them. Okay. Matt, is this a rivalry? Yeah. It, well, I mean, especially for people of our age who remember, as, you know, Tim and Paige talked about, you know, uh, the years where we didn't do so well. I think at this point, you know, players need a fire to burn within them to get to that next level of success. And, yeah, right now, Michigan is, is the kindling. It's not the main log, but it's something that serves a purpose to give us a goal toward you know, going beyond what we feel like we can achieve as, you know, as, as, the t- as a team can do. Mm-hmm. So Michigan is that, that rivalry serves a very practical purpose for us. Like, look, we got to succeed because we're going to be taking on the top team, our top rival at the end of the season. Um, and then having that sustain us, but also help uh, propel us after that game to go into the pl- you know, championship game and into the playoffs. You need it there. Yeah. I think that, to Tim's point, you, it, their tension never goes away. I was, you know, we were, I was sitting next to my friend James, and he's like, why am I nervous? I know we're going to kick their ass. <laughs> and I'm like, and you, I, like, I like that. I, li- I mean, I had no, I knew that we were going to win. I mean, it was funny because they scored really easily down the first thing. I'm like, oh, shit. And then they missed the extra point. I'm like, oh, okay, we're fine. Because if you can't do the if you can't do the small things, <laughs> yeah, you are gonna you are gonna beat us if you can't do a, convert an extra point. I'm sorry, you cannot. You, there, there was something very cathartic about that missed extra point because I had the same exact feeling yeah. after they missed it. I was like, oh, we're gonna be okay. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So yeah, the rival we will will endure, endure. It will serve its purpose for our players because we we hold it into it. We put it on a high pestle as it should be, no matter what the outcome, and we look at it year by year rather historic rather than historically. Okay, I'm not so sure. I'm not. I, I we're looking at two solid decades now of Ohio State domination. Seventeen of the last nineteen have gone Ohio State's way. Uh, it, things continue to to trend in the wrong direction. For Michigan, if you're looking at 119 uh, points 
scored by Ohio State in each of the last two matchups. Jim Harbaugh is 0-5 against Ohio State. He's giving up His teams are giving up an average of 42 points to Ohio State in these games. Um, I, I agree with you guys. Ohio State continues to place importance on this game, and, and that's important to a rivalry, right? You have to emphasize it. But, you know, I mean, you saw the post-game interviews yesterday, but Justin Fields had said, like, I think we clearly place more importance on this game than Michigan does. He also said he happens to know a few kids that play for Michigan, and they have told him, like, the emphasis is not nearly the same on that game at Michigan as it is Ohio State. Um, so I think in order for it to be a rivalry, both teams, both programs have to continue to make it their number one priority. Um, and then the results on the field have to reflect a rivalry, some level of balance. And there hasn't been that at all, uh, as, as we've already mentioned. You know, look, rivalries don't, the rivalries don't last forever in college football. I mean, we all remember the Oklahoma-Nebraska rivalry of the old Big Eight, right? When we were growing up, that was a huge rivalry, almost always had national title implications every single season. Now those programs are in different conferences, head in two completely different directions. They don't play each other anymore. I mean, when was the last time USC-UCLA meant anything? I mean, 20 years? That, that now is at best a regional rivalry that has very little national interest. And if you're not an Ohio State-Michigan fan, why would you tune in and watch this game? If you're just a college football fan, you're impartial, you just want to watch a good game, you're not tuning. I mean, you're the, probably the only reason you're tuning in is to watch Ohio State because they have an impact, a huge impact on the playoff picture. So I, I'm not as hopeful as you guys are. What I'm seeing, and you're looking at the recruiting rankings for the 2020 classes, Ohio State has like eight or nine kids in the, in the ESPN Top 100. Michigan has one. You got Justin Fields coming back next year, Chris Olave, guys like that. I mean, it's not looking any better. The game comes back to Columbus. I don't know, man. I mean, it's it's a it continues to be a rivalry because there are still fans our age and older who remember it when it was a rivalry. But if you're Paige, you made this this point last week. If you're a 27 year old kid, we have a, you know a bunch of 20 somethings on the podcast. We're talking to them. I think it's a completely different conversation around this game. I think look from the day I was born, Ohio State's been kicking the shit out of Michigan. Like, why why would I be worried? And uh, so I, we'll see how it plays out. Tim, you may be right. Maybe there's a, 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 you know, a tide-changing uh, move by Michigan this offseason, coaching changes, whatever it is, a renewed emphasis on the rivalry. We've been waiting for it to happen. We thought it would happen when they hired a Michigan guy, and it does, Jim Harbaugh, does, they, you don't, they don't get more Michigan than Jim Harbaugh, and he looks utterly hapless and helpless in this rivalry so far. So we'll but, see. But don't you think, don't you think, or at least I think, I think this narrative that we place more focus on the game is a little bit overdone. Um, and, and that goes back to John Cooper, right, who clearly didn't understand this rivalry. Um, and then Trussell came in and, and put a renewed focus on it. But mm-hmm. come on. I mean, J- Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins, two guys aren't from Ohio. I mean, it's, it's not that they're, they're more focused on the rivalry. They're just better fucking players. I'm sorry. <laughs> they're just better players. We have more talent. So th- then I, I got a question for, for the group as you were kind of going. Has Michigan reached its ceiling? I think is a, a, an interesting question. And Zach, you and I were talking about this a little bit last night. And I said, you know, is Michigan closer to being Nebraska than they are to being Ohio State? Yes, and I think that dictates whether or not this is 
you know, a, com- a competitive rivalry for the next well, 15 years. You know, that your thing about does it mean more? I mean, do you, and talent wise, but do you think Auburn has as much talent as Alabama? Mm. No, I don't. Well, they seem no, to, they don't. They put, but they put a lot of importance on the Iron Bowl game and they came out and they played inspired. Yeah. And, and forced Alabama to a lot of mistakes and they, and they stole that game. And I think that is if you put that importance on there, that kind of, that kind of, uh, players can go outside of what they're capable of doing and put in something that will last for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, that's that's another important rivalry, one that's considered in the same universe as Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, and Auburn. Gus Malzahn's been at Auburn for seven years. He's beat Alabama three times, right? I mean, that's pretty good, right? I mean, you, if it's a real that's rivalry, really you're not going to win them all. And if you're around 500 in a rivalry, I think you're doing all right especially against a juggernaut like Alabama. Tim, do you have any more yeah, thoughts but, on this? Yeah, I mean, to, to Paige's point, though, is I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think that Ohio State has better players, definitively. Um, you know, my, as I was sitting there watching the game yesterday, every I, I, my view is every single Ohio State player on offense and defense could go start at a top-five school, whereas I think <laughs> – 50% of the Michigan starting offense and defense could start at a top five school. Yeah. Um, so they, they failed in recruiting. Um, and, and, but I also think it, it, there is a different emphasis. Like I was learning a lot this week about the fact that like when Michigan, when somebody commits to Michigan, like they go up on a board at the Woody Hayes athletic facility and they're researching the kid and they're looking at them. And I, I don't think Michigan does that. I don't think Michigan plans 365 days a year how to beat Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I think you know. I, I think there are some differences, and the, probably some of that comes from Meyer uh, in terms of his you know neurosis in terms of beating Michigan. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's both. I don't think it's sort of one or the other. Um, and then to your question about has Michigan reached the ceiling? No fucking way. Look, they, they are a storied, historic program. Uh, they've just made some blunders with the coaching questions. They let Lloyd Carr stay for too long. Then they hired Rich Rod. Then they hired Hoke. Then they've hired Harbaugh. Those have all been mistakes. Uh, and so they've, they've, they've got to get it right. And Harbaugh is not the right guy, I don't think. Uh, is Les Miles? Maybe. Is there somebody else? Maybe. Mm. But if you are a kid and you are being recruited by the top programs in the country, Michigan's one of them. To go there and get a degree from that school and play for that storied program, that's not, that, that hasn't gone away. Their ceiling is as high as anybody's. Hmm. Um, they just haven't gotten it together as a program, you know, for the last, whatever, couple decades. And I've read that Harbaugh has not been recruiting Ohio at all, like not, not because he's failed, but because it's, it's part of a strategy. I, have you guys read that? That, that well, he doesn't seem like he doesn't seem like he's a re- recruiting in Michigan either. They just, they're letting like a two-time Mister Michigan <laughs> guy go to Ohio State. That's <laughs> true, Mike Weber, right? Yeah. Well, and that's an abject failure on his part too, because the best couple of players that Michigan has had over the last few decades have all come from Ohio. So right. That's a fucking mistake. Totally. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, hey, why don't we have a look at at the game itself? And I wanted to get your your takeaways, guys. Kind of your top, you know, three or four takeaways from the game. Matt, what were your takeaways from from yesterday's result? Um, my takeaways is that we are we have shown to be very good at making adjustments. 
Uh, it happened a little later than I would have liked it in the third quarter rather than the second, but it, it was fairly seismic. The changes. I mean, the guy mm-hmm. guy throws for two seventy something in the first half, and it's seventy four. Yeah, two fifty, and then and then seventy five yards in the second half, and yeah. it's throwing just, and just still throwing the ball all the time. So that adjustment was huge. Uh, I was. I, I'm very concerned that uh, how we adjusted that not having Wade in there. Yeah, uh, and, and I'll be I'll, and I'll be the first one to admit, like I said, ah, they'll be fine, and they weren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, they definitely struggled at figuring out how to do coverage, especially as you mentioned before. There's show Zach, like when they mix things up and uh, uh, d- during the play calling. Uh, and I was, you know, the the linebackers looked out of like out of whack. Uh, Werner wasn't tackling well, and they were just eating us up in the middle of the field. Uh, you know, and I I just think that we have the big the bigger takeaway is like this team has a really good fighting spirit. So like especially the, which is led by um, I'd like to say Fields, but really Dobbins. Dobbins is just one hard nut, man. Yeah, he is. And, and we could have given the ball 50 times, and he could have ran for 300 yards. He was just not stopping at anything to get to get that extra yard. So, I mean, they, you know, even when they tried to take off his damn shoe, that was <laughs> freaking crazy. Um, uh, but I was I was really impressed with the receivers, the play calling, some of that play to uh, Austin Mack. It was just so beautifully yeah. scripted. I, I think a, a, a tear went down my eye down my cheek when I saw it. it was just so it was like wow that like more of that please so it was a very it was very satisfying but like I was shocked that they put 26 on us but to their credit uh they really scripted some fantastic plays that exploited the areas where we were the weakest mm-hmm. and uh their o-line they, you know that like I was telling you before show Zach Whoever coaches their OL line is the MVP because their offensive line did a fantastic job uh, making adjustments for Chase, but also keeping the other guys out uh, uh, until like the second half. But they did a fantastic job. If they had an actually good running back, that guy would probably would have went over 100 yards. But uh, anyhow. Yeah, Ed Ed Warner, if I'm not mistaken, former Ohio State offensive line coach, is Michigan's offensive line coach. Do I have that right, guys? I think I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shocking. Yeah, and just I want to back up your point about the halftime adjustments. Shea Patterson was 14 of 19 for 250 yards in the first half and one touch and a touchdown pass. In the second half, he was 4 of 24 for 55 yards and an interception. He was also sacked twice. Paige, what, what stood out to you from yesterday's performance? I, I think Sloan, that, that was my big takeaway. Uh, the, the second half adjustments by our defense um, was huge. And, you know, it's no coincidence that Patterson carved us up in the first half, but the second we started to put a little pressure on him in the second half, mixing up some blitzes and getting after him, hmm. uh, the wheels started to come off. So <laughs> hats off to, you know, Halfley and Madison and those guys. Th- that was, to me, the, the biggest sort of, I think, macro uh, element of the whole game. It, a, a couple other things, though, like Dobbins' fumble on the first oh, series yeah. that bounced right <laughs> back up to him. Uh-huh. I mean, that was immaculate. Like I was thinking, I was thinking back to like the Pittsburgh Steelers' immaculate reception. That's like <laughs> the immaculate fumble. Like how fortuitous was that? That was insane because 
if Michigan gets that, you know, and then it's 14 nothing, I think we still win the game, but it turns maybe into more Penn State than it did uh, what that final result was. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was great. And then the other thing that will go completely overlooked, but it was a huge, huge um, factor in the game is the chugger. Chugging yeah. off, converting that third down. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That was a big, that was a big moment in the game. I think Michigan had, you know, closed it. Yeah. And the very, yep. he completes that to who? Who was that? Mac or uh, KJ Hill. Hill? KJ Hill went down and scooped it off the turf. It was a nice, gorgeous catch and a nice throw. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then, if I'm not mistaken, the next play is the touchdown to Wilson. Hats off to our boy Sloaner for calling the big game for Wilson. He was he, he he ran he ran away with that award until the muff punt, but we'll give him a pass on that. Um, and uh, but yeah, those you know just some 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 smaller pieces of the game. Um, and and then you know like like I said before, I I actually thought Michigan hung in there pretty well. I give them credit. Sloaner's right. Their defense, their offensive line was phenomenal. I mean, they, they were clearly, you know, heavy, right? A couple tight ends in there, take away Chase Young. And you know what? It was effective for a half. But you can't beat, and this is something you've said quite a bit, Zach, is you can't beat this team being one-dimensional on offense, mm-hmm. right? Because we'll make adjustments. And the fact that they just could not run the ball yeah. um, it started to really hurt them in the second half. And then Patterson, you know, was – stopped being the second coming of Joe Montana and then we <laughs> ran away with it. So Yeah, he was fun from- game though. I mean that was a lot of fun. I one of the more fun afternoons I've had in a while. Yeah, you know, Michigan's inability to run the ball I thought I, I thought hurt them early in the game as well. They had several red zone trips that kind of stalled. They had to settle for a field goal and then then there was the what the the one uh, red zone trip that um Patterson actually mishandled the snap, but that was on third and long. And it was going to be tough for Michigan to try and convert there from passing it. And I thought, yeah, their inability to run the ball, uh, really, that's the, the, the number one reason I think they stalled on some of those red zone trips. Tim, what did you, what, what did you see in the game yesterday that stood out? Uh, the couple of big things I took away were, you know, as was said, I really feel like that first quarter, I mean, we're giving Michigan a lot of credit, um, which is probably fair. I mean, I think they, they played well, but I think we missed Wade a ton. Yeah. I don't think some of those receivers get as open as they were in Michigan yeah. scores as easily as they do without, you know, if Wade is in there. Um, and then I felt like the, I felt like the critical juncture of the entire game was in the second quarter, we're up 21, 13, Michigan is driving. You know, in my mind, I'm like, all right, fuck, it's going to be 21, 20. And Patterson fumbles. Yeah. Um, and we get that ball, we start driving, they get us into fourth down, and then they're off sides. Yeah. And then we go down and score, and instead of 21-20, it's 28-13. Huge. And from that point onward, like I wasn't really that nervous about the game. If it's 21-20, we're in a dogfight, I think, certainly well into the third quarter. And, and I just feel like that series of plays um, – turned the game mm. along with what I think is one of the greatest Ohio state plays I've ever seen in my life, which is fields goes off the field 
injured. You don't know what's wrong. The guy comes out with a fucking brace on and throws a fucking laser to the back <laughs> of the end zone that destroyed Michigan. Oh. I think they thought, all right, we got a chance now. He's out. It's still early enough in the game. We can come back. No. Door shut. Uh, <laughs> to me, so, that so, was the play of the game. The, the funniest answer part is the most Juan cheered in that whole game was and the most nervous he was was that commercial break and when they broke back to the game and you saw Fields kind of like running up and down the sidelines and he just yelled out this huge like just woohoo that Fields wasn't you know being carted <laughs> off the field and then he throws that laser that was totally a highlight of the game for sure Timmy for sure I mean that was the ultimate tough guy move I mean did he just like yeah. unzip his pants and put a schlong on the table and was like check this out fellas <laughs> I mean that was like tough guy I mean Big boy throw. That was amazing. Um, yeah. Tim, did you have any other observations? No, no. No, that was, I mean, to me, those were the those were the key things of the game. I mean, when you look at the box score, too, it really, again, Michigan played well that first quarter. But after that, you know, it, it was, you know, 38 to 12 or something like that for the rest of the game. It wasn't even close. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they, yep, I agree with you there. So my takeaways from the game, first of all, that performance was the exclamation point on what has been the most dominant regular season by an Ohio State football team of our lifetimes. I'm, I'm, this is the regular season, 12 games, mm -hmm. through 12 games, no Ohio State football team has been this dominant in the regular season in our lifetimes. I went back and looked, the 1973 team was dominant, they only played 10 regular season games back then, and they were dominant for nine games. Uh, but then tied Michigan in Ann Arbor 10-10 in that game. That was the game where the the Big Ten commissioners had to vote who goes to the Rose Bowl, should it be Ohio State or Michigan, and Michigan's quarterback broke his collarbone in that game. They voted Ohio State to go, and then they killed USC in that game, in the Rose Bowl game that year. They, if you look at the, the score results from all those games, they destroyed everybody up until that tie with Michigan. But they weren't dominant throughout. Urban Meyer had a couple of undefeated regular seasons, but they weren't without, you know, several uh, very, very close results that Ohio State could have easily lost. Remember the Purdue game in the 2012 season where, you know, uh, Braxton Miller gets hurt and Guyton comes in and leads him to a late rally to tie the game and win it in overtime. The 2013 team was, you know, they were dominant for stretches, but, you know, had some close calls, you know, namely at Michigan. They gave up a bunch of points to Illinois the week before. So, this team has been, you know, outside of what, the third quarter against Penn State, this is the most dominant regular season I've ever seen in my lifetime as an Ohio State fan. And I don't even think it's close. Uh, if, if, you know, if you want to go back and look at historical results, you've had Ohio State teams that have had stretches where they've been, you know, historically dominant, but not start to finish as this team has been through the regular season. We'll see what happens in the postseason. But for strictly speaking of the regular season, no Ohio State football team has been this dominant in our lifetimes. Uh, one of my other takeaways was the awakening of what has been a mostly do dormant vertical passing game. I think, you know, going into last week or going into the Penn State game, uh, you know, that was the one critique you, you could have of Ohio State. Maybe one of the one shortcomings uh, that this team has had is they, they have not gone downfield all that much in the passing game. And yesterday you saw a huge 57-yard touchdown pass to a lobby. It was gorgeous, you know, right in stride. Another 47-yard pass play to Wilson that set up another score. 
you saw another, what, on second and one, another gorgeous pass to Olave. Hit him right in the face mask. It was weird to see Olave not come down with that, but that should have been another touchdown. So that was another big takeaway for me, and that's another thing for, for Ohio State's future opponents in the postseason here now to think about. So you have to respect that vertical passing game. Um, you know, the other thing, and we've kind of already touched on this, but, you know, the Michigan clown show. And I call it a clown show because at the most critical moments in this game, um, you know, they, 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 they committed questionable penalties or made mental mistakes that were just head scratching. And this is why they're nine and three and they're headed to the citrus bowl and they're not, you know, in the playoff discussion. Uh, we mentioned the missed extra point on the opening touchdown, right? And when we all kind of breathe a sigh of relief, Oh, okay. It's, it's going to be this, you know, it's same old Michigan. Um, there was the strange 15-yard and sportsmanlike penalty on, on Michigan defensive lineman Carlo Kemp for untying and removing J.K. Dobbins' shoe. And that was early in the game, but, but Dobbins was closing in on 100 yards rushing at that point. And I thought, that moment right there, I mean, was there anything more symbolic of how this rivalry has gone than that moment? Like, the only way you're going to come close to stopping this guy from running all over you is making him go to the sideline to change his shoe, you know, put his shoe back on. I mean, that was just, is, is there anything more, like, is there a greater sign of desperation than that play right there? There was the mishandled snap by Shea Patterson at the Ohio State 12-yard line. Um, I believe at that point the score was 21-13. And we've already touched on that. And then, uh, Tim, you touched on a few plays later uh, with Ohio State in punt formation on third and four. Michigan commits an offside penalty to give Ohio State a fresh set of downs. And that just wasn't some, that wasn't any old player for Michigan, right? That wasn't some, you know, reserve or only plays on special teams. That was Kali Kotzen, their leading tackler. And, and it's just, I see a team that, aside, from, you know, you, you set aside the, the, the talent discrepancy, which it was, you know, enormous in this game, but little mental mistakes like that. Matt, you referenced Auburn's uh, ability to, to beat Alabama in that rivalry, despite a pretty significant talent gap. You know, when you focus on little things and you don't make mental mistakes in those situations, yeah, maybe you can pull an upset or two. But it just, it just to me, it showed just how far Michigan has to go. Uh, you know, in this game, it was, it was a clown show for them yesterday. Yeah. I mean, you know, like we did uh, really well on our third downs. Like, I think we were like 60% and they were like two for, and they were two for 13. Yeah. And we were in the red zone five times. Guess what? Five touchdowns. (laughs) And, and I think they just got 11 points on their like two or three, their three trips. And I mean, you can't do, you can't beat a better team that on paper is a better team than you you got to be able to convert yeah on those things to have a chance yeah when there's zero margin for error as it as there was for michigan in that game yesterday you can't make those kinds of mistakes and you have to take advantage of your opportunities and they seem to just fail at every critical juncture those are my takeaways any other observations uh, from the game yesterday guys you'd like to share i think (laughs) the last piece is um the offensive line Right, we oh, yeah. just mauled those guys up front. They yeah. seemed the, the Michigan's defensive line. They just there was one, I don't know, out of commercial break, and they were running on the field. I'm like, those guys aren't very big. No, they're small. You know? Yeah, and 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 we just pushed them around, and then obviously that equates to just the enormous game by Dobbins. But you know, like like always, those things originate up front. And our offensive line played a hell of a game. And and then the other last thing is, 
just the exact opposite of what you guys were just talking about. You know, very few mental mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many penalties for Ohio State? You're like, no false starts, right? Like, just a very well-disciplined team, and that's, you know, that just shows that, you know, how well-coached this team is. It's exceptional. Not only our players, but our coaching is exceptional. Yeah, Ohio State finished with seven penalties for 66 yards, which seems a little high. They may have had a penalty or two late in the game after the outcome was decided that really didn't have much of an impact on the game. But I agree with you. Yeah, they were largely mistake-free. Um, although I will say, you know, it, I was bummed to see Garrett Wilson fumble the fumble the, another punt. And actually, that started a little a short little flurry uh, for Michigan where they scored 11 unanswered and kind of started making it uncomfortable again. And it started with a muff punt. I would I would think, unfortunately, I, you know, I've been clamoring for him, Wilson, to 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 get the full time punt return duties. And I think, unfortunately, with that play, he's probably lost them. <laughs> I don't think we're going to see Wilson back there returning punts the rest of the season. Yeah, I'll say I'll say one thing about Fields that I was curious about, and uh, you know, I I don't think it's an issue or anything, but. Going into last week's Penn State game, I was wondering how Fields, growing up in Georgia, having played high school there and, and having spent one season at Georgia, would handle 30-degree football. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like he had a particularly great game last week. Um, he only had 188 yards, and I don't know, he was like 16 for 22 or something like that. And even yesterday, he was 14 for 25. He's usually more accurate than that. Yeah, And... You know, he did have some nice long balls, including one that hit Chris Olave in the face mask yeah. that should have been a touchdown. Yep. Um, and obviously he had the great pass to Wilson after he put on the brace. He had some really good throws, but he also had some not great throws. Um, and I, I don't think it's an issue, but I think it has taken Fields a couple games probably to get used to the cold. Yeah. Uh, it'll benef- benefit him next year, but I'm happy that we're in Indianapolis and then most likely in a warm climate where, you know, he's going to be more used to it. I think, I think there was an adjustment period, these two games for him to get used to the cold. Yeah. Well, well be... and, and isn't he hurt? He, I, yeah. he seems like he's hurt. Well, yeah. Well, so he said in the post game uh, press conference yesterday, he has, he, he, got, he has a sprained MCL from the Penn state game. He volunteered that information. He called it a sprained MCL. Um, and he was wearing a lighter brace on that knee, and then they swapped it out when he went down with a larger brace. But yeah, he is—he's definitely a little nicked up, for sure. Fields started the game four of ten, throwing the football. After the, those were his first quarter stats, four of ten. He misfired on his first few passes. To me, it looked—he looked a little amped up because he was some of the those first few throws were sailing on him on those outs. He was throwing those. He was chucking those things into the sideline. Um, but after that point. I thought he settled in nicely and was very accurate from that point of going forward. Yeah, to be fair, too, it was windy. Yeah. You know, I'm sure that affected some of it. The announcers were saying it even affected the snap that Patterson fumbled, which I don't think is true. I think it probably <laughs> did affect the throw to Olave because that was a long, high throw, and Olave just doesn't miss balls that hit him in the face. So that that, that may have been a little wind. Yeah. Um, but, you know, those are the things you got to deal with in football. And uh, I think he's better off for it. He got through it, obviously, and did well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just something I was keeping an eye on last week and this week that I think uh, I think he handled it. Yeah. Uh, but it, he didn't grow up playing in Ohio. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a little bit different. Well, yeah, he's through it. Now, every remaining game for Ohio State will be played in the Dome. 
including next yep. week at Indy. So he'll be in a controlled environment. And um, but yeah, but, but yeah, but, I think I, I think you're right, Tim, and that's a good point. Like not really playing adverse conditions, but I think if you go back and look at how Day called that game, um, and even the few times that Fields ran, he was purposely trying to avoid contact and. I don't know how a slight sprained MCL, you know, what that really means in, in reality, but I think he's more banged up than they let on, and there was a concerted effort not to get him hit, and, you know, maybe that sort of led to, you know, some of the nerves, you know, to start the game, because he, he was clearly off. Yeah. Um, there were hardly any that I can remember, like design quarterback runs or very few RPOs, right, mm-hmm. which then just speaks to that is like a huge component of what our offense can be. And let's just, you know, assume it wasn't at their disposal yesterday. Yeah. I mean, geez, how do you stop this offense? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They did not. There was virtually no inside zone read. I think there was maybe one that fields had a keeper on that went for seven or eight yards, but he, he barely ran. And you might be right about that page. He might be a little nicked up and they're trying to protect him. They certainly didn't need it. I mean, they were getting whatever they wanted, handling, handing off to, to Dobbins. Um, and, and I do think Ohio State clearly had a, a huge advantage in the trenches with that offensive line against that smallish Michigan defensive line. Um, should, we be, should we be concerned, though, about, about the defense heading into the playoffs against, uh, well, not, not necessarily against Wisconsin, but against more explosive passing games like LSU or Clemson? Any, yeah. any concerns uh, from, from the first half, Matt? Yeah, 100%. I mean, we're going from, you know, Big Ten ball, and we're going to go play the elites. And mm-hmm. they are going to have weapons like we have weapons talent-wise. So we have to we have to bring our – yeah, we have to have our, our, our best players in there because it's going to be, you know, may not – it may be like back and forth, back and forth. And uh, we're going to need people to step up and, you know, be a little bit more creative and use their experience to uh, make some big plays. And if you don't have your main guys in there, you know, if Wade and, our, and I, I guess our net went out like in the third or fourth quarter, got hurt. So they had two, you know, if our, hopefully they're both, you know, will they rest them for the Wisconsin game or and bring them back or, you know, who knows? But we need those guys. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I think they're the most, like, I mean, obviously Fields is probably the most critical, but we need, uh, weight in our net to be at least 80% if we're going to make the run. Yeah, I don't think I realized just how important, I mean, I knew he was a great a great player. I didn't realize how important Sean Wade was to what they like to do defensively in the secondary. And not all of it was, you can pin on the absence of Wade. I mean, you know, you had a couple of uh, blown coverages by Ohio State linebackers that led to big gains by by Michigan tight ends. I mean, Sean McEwen actually had the longest pass play of the game for Michigan. He had a 41-yard completion, and that was because Warner got caught pe- peeking in the backfield and let him run up the sideline you know, wide open. There was a similar play with, uh, with Nick Eubanks, Michigan's other tight end, and in that case it was, uh, I think, Borland who had coverage responsibilities on him, and again, he got caught peeking in the backfield, and Eubanks runs up the, up the sideline for a 34-yard uh, reception. Actually, those two pass plays were Michigan's longest pass plays of the game. And they were both by blown coverages by linebackers. I mean, uh, Nico Collins had two catches yesterday. Uh, uh, and he was the guy I think we were all most worried about uh, going into the game. And, and Okuda took him completely out of the game. 
but but I agree with you. I mean, if you would ask me that question after at, at halftime, like you know, are we concerned, and how is this going to translate to an LSU or a Clemson? I would have been gravely concerned. But the fact that they made the adjustments that they did and they cleaned up those those coverage mistakes, and then I think the other thing was. Chase Young was getting chipped. He was getting double teamed. And the Ohio State defensive line, the other guys on that defensive line, did not do a great job in the first half of winning their one-on-one matchups. And I thought clearly they were challenged at halftime and they were much better in the second half at winning those one-on-one matchups and getting pressure on Patterson. So I would I would hope that with a healthy Wade, with a few weeks rest, you got all your all your you know top end guys in the secondary available for the playoffs. And then, you know, more of an effort from the defensive line maybe it won't be quite so bad but at the same time LSU and Clemson they're going to put up points and yards against any defense I'm not sure that you know you, you we're going to have to live with it either way Tim what do you think yeah I mean uh, I guess my concern is just exactly sort of that which is my view of the Big Ten is that it's it's still weaker than the SEC uh, top to bottom I don't care what the rankings are I just think there's better recruiting better players better coaching. Um, I think Ohio State is completely in one of the top four teams, but I think week in and week out, as we've seen this year, in spite of Ohio State being so dominant, I just don't think they've had to play uh, the same level of teams. I think the Big Ten is good. I think it's better than the Pac-12. I think it's better than the Big 12. Um, And I think it's, you know, not that far below the SEC, but you know, I like Ohio State one-on-one against any team in the country and give Day a couple weeks to get ready for them and, and his team, but uh, you just don't know what the reaction's going to be till you get smacked in the mouth. Yeah. And they kind of did in the first quarter, and they responded pretty well. Um, and I think Michigan's offensive line, from a pass-blocking perspective, is as good as probably any team in the country. Yeah, uh, I, They don't have a good running back, and so they, they just haven't, they're not a good run team, so they probably haven't practiced it as much but um the fact that as you said we didn't get as much pressure on patterson as we wanted to until the second half is a little disturbing because whether it's tyreek smith or i didn't see a lot of zach harrison that's another thing i was sort of surprised about yeah but you know we just cooper got a nice sack in the second half but that was a little alarming because that's i think supposed to be our number one unit on the team is the defensive line and uh, I know it doesn't matter that Chase Young had zero stats, but he should have something. Uh, or if he's not, then the other guys ought to be making up for the fact that he's taking up two or three guys. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that I, I that's what I think. I think the onus at the ha- at half was was on the other guys on the defensive line to go start winning your one on one matchups, and they did a better job of that in the second half. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going through the stats here. So Young was actually credited with two quarterback hurries. Um. Ohio State finished with two sacks. One, Davon Hamilton had one as well. Um, but yeah, not the, the the type of production we would have expected from from the Ohio State defensive line. I want to go back to what you said, Tim, about the type of talent that Ohio State sees week in and week out in the Big Ten and how it compares to the SEC. I agree with you. It's several notches below what you would see in the SEC. And I'm trying to think, like, I mean, the only the only team they played this year where I've come away from them thinking, whoa, those dudes can play, was Penn State. Uh, and Micah Parsons and Gross Matos and, and that stud safety of theirs, I mean, I, those guys were big-time players, and that's where I kind of felt like, all right, 
there's equal talent there at those positions. Like those guys could start at Ohio State or they could play at Alabama. More, you know, they were. I, we know in the case of Micah Parsons, Ohio State was recruiting him until the very end. So yeah, we don't see that level of top end talent week in and week out. I don't even know that we saw it once outside of Penn State, and that was on one side of the ball uh, this year. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond to an LSU or a Clemson. Um, it, yeah, we, we don't know how, how the hell they'll respond yet. We'll have to see. Any other comments, guys, on that, on the Ohio State defense and looking forward? No? Wade's a big loss. So, yeah. Um, there, there's, there's reason to be concerned, but Wade's a big loss. Yeah. So, if he plays again, he doesn't, I don't think we're going to need him next week. Get healthy for the stretch run. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, exploiting over the middle – you know, with our linebackers, you know, crossing routes, which Michigan kind of did. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to it's going to be an issue against you know Clemson from probably LSU. But that, like you said, teams are going to score points, right? And it's not like the old days where you win these games fourteen to nothing. Um, <laughs> and you know, we're, we're definitely going to put up points ourselves. But yeah, there's some reason to be concerned. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll just have to see how that looks in the coming weeks. Uh, there was any other comments, guys, on Ohio State, Michigan, before maybe we have a quick peek at at some of the other games around the country. Um, I, I guess you know the only one I I really wanted to focus on, and it's only because it's it's it, it's Ohio State's next opponent was Wisconsin beating Minnesota. Is there any juice for this game next week? Um, any reason to be concerned about having to pay a you know it's t- they always say it's tough to beat a good team twice. Any concern, Paige, how do you see that matchup next week? And, and what did you see yesterday in, in their win over Minnesota? I, I was a little surprised the line's only 12 and a half. I thought it would be way more than that, 15, 16. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think maybe some of that is Ohio State coming off of two big games and uh, you know, will they be a little flat and or, you know, banged up? Um, you know, I, I just don't, I, I thought Wisconsin would, would beat Minnesota. Yeah. I was rooting for Minnesota. I watched a fair amount of that game. They're just not quite, you know, at Wisconsin's level. Um, by the same token, I don't think Wisconsin's even remotely at a high state's level, uh, unless, you know, we're really flat or something goes wrong. I think we should, we should roll convincingly next yeah. week. Um, so yeah. And it's indoors. I, you know, I think that will help sort of as Tim alluded to with fields. Uh, we just have too many playmakers and I think it could be a, it could be a close game, but I, I, I don't think so. I think we, we beat them handedly. Yeah. Ohio, uh, Wisconsin's one in 10 against Ohio state in their last 11 matchups. Um, Matt, what do you think? Are they really? Yeah. Matt, wow. Matt, what do you think? Did you get to see any of the, the Wisconsin-Minnesota game and, and also kind of spin that forward to next week's matchup? Yeah, Tim and I watched it, and uh, we, you know, go back and forth between that and the much more entertaining Auburn-Alabama uh, game. But what I saw that I was impressed by uh, uh, by Wisconsin, I don't know how much this, you know, they changed just uh, for this game, but they did really well. Wisconsin did with the short passing hmm. and didn't rely on the run. And they, the things that we were having trouble with with the first half at Michigan, I was just like, wow, they're really doing a good job, 
you know, getting, ta- you know, throwing uh, balls to Taylor and having him, you know, out of the backfield as a receiver hmm. seemed to be really effective. So that's, you know, if I said if there's one concern, it would be that their defense doesn't look any, doesn't look stout. Uh, in terms of like what we could put against them, I think mean, Mar- I mean, Minnesota was doing a good job going down the field. I just think Wisconsin just had, uh, you know, they stood up a little, stood up a little taller than uh, the Minnesota did, and you know, they deserve the right to play us again. And I, I, I don't think it's uh, going to be a close game. I think it'll maybe enter an entertaining game, and, and perhaps maybe even a smaller margin. But there will be a, at least a two touchdown margin at least my thoughts are about that right now okay tim how do you see it yeah i think Paige hit the nail on the head which is you know they've got the team's got to get up now for a third gigantic week in a row uh i don't think that'll be a problem uh i think it is hard to beat a good team twice uh i think the game will be closer i think the line's about right i agree with matt i think it's a i think it's a two touchdown game Hmm. which is going to be vastly different than the last game in the last game we destroyed them yeah uh we're not playing them at home uh, you know, it is on a neutral field. They travel well. They'll have plenty of fans there. So, I mean, I, I don't think it'll be in jeopardy, but it's, I don't think it's going to be like it was. Hmm. Um, and it, it, it does seem like, you know, between Wade and Browning's been out and Fields is banged up, and, uh, you know, there just are a bunch of guys who are banged up after a season. I mean, it's fairly normal, but, yeah. uh, you know, Wisconsin is a big physical team, and you got a big physical game coming. Uh, I think there's too many playmakers on both sides of the ball for Ohio State, and you know that'll be the difference. But I expect it'll be a closer game than when we played them before. Okay, I'd be surprised if it's a close game, and if it does turn out to be a close game, then those might be the things that we point to. You know, guys nicked up, uh, Ohio State having to you know get up for a, a big game for a third week in a row. Um, I think there is a lot at stake for Ohio State in this game. I, I with LSU uh, being matched up with a top five opponent in Georgia uh, in their title game, and Ohio State. I think I expect that they'll maintain the number one ranking uh, through next week, but then LSU would have an opportunity to take that number one ranking away with a win over a much more impressive opponent in Georgia. And Ohio State's really. They're, the only way that they could maybe hang on to that number one ranking is to win impressively over Wisconsin. So there is motivation there. I just, I, well, see, the last time they played Wisconsin, were we coming off a bye? I believe we were, right? We had the, we played Northwestern in the Friday night game. And I don't know if we came off a bye. Maybe we just had an extra day to prepare. That game was in the shoe. I, I'm with you, Paige. I think 12 seems a little low when you look at how one-dimensional Wisconsin is. You look at the historical results. You look at, you know, they're they're going to be relying on uh, Jonathan Taylor once again. Um, boy, I would be surprised if it's close. Um, I guess we'll I guess we'll see. Uh, but I I would th- I would think Ohio State by three touchdowns at least, even uh, even with the, the neutral field and there's no home field advantage there for Ohio State and and what might be guys who are banged up injured. They did say, actually, after the game that Sean Wade was available to play and could have played if called upon, but they just kept him out as a precaution. He actually went through warm-ups. Um, you'd think against an opponent like Wisconsin, maybe you don't need him. You could play a lot of more four-linebacker looks and stuff. But it is a little disappointing that there isn't the same level of juice 
for this game is maybe what what Minnesota would have brought to the table, and Minnesota might even been ranked a little higher. Um, I don't know. It seems like uh, there isn't the opportunity there for Ohio State to to really cling to that number one seed. Um, like they, they, you know, they, they could slip away from them, uh, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, but I think, I think the committee will bump up Wisconsin. What they were eleventh, I think Minnesota was eighth. So you know, a lot of this stuff is politicking yeah. by the committee and where they're ranking teams. And that's a um, good point. You know, so 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 they'll they'll make sure that Wisconsin is a top ten team. So you know, they can advertise it all week and. If we win, we, you know, convincingly, uh, I think we'll be in, in, in good shape. So. That's a good point. So Wisconsin was 12th in last week's rankings, and you had two teams ahead of them lose, uh, Minnesota, who they beat, and then Alabama. I don't know if the committee would, would drop Alabama behind Wisconsin, but they might. The other interesting result yesterday was Penn State really struggling at home against Wisconsin. They ended up winning the game. I think 27 to 6 was the final, but it was a street fight. I wonder if they drop. You mean Rutgers? I'm sorry, Rut- Rutgers. Rutgers. Thanks for the correction there. Yeah, it was Rutgers. Yep. Penn State struggling to beat Rutgers at home, so maybe they they drop Penn State and and elevate Wisconsin to the top ten. That's a good that's a good point, Paige. Um, I don't know, just not a ton of juice for me personally in that game. Um, you know, you already beat them. What do you prove if you beat them again? Um, I think I think Ohio State has to win that game convincingly, though. To have any hope of hanging on to that number one seed—that's that's just my two cents. Uh, you know, your point taken though, Paige, that the, the playoff committee might elevate them. If if the playoff committee has already made up its mind about Ohio State and wants to give them the number one seed, that would be the way they do it by really moving Wisconsin up. I wonder who's going to take that fourth spot. That's I don't know. know though. I like I I honestly think that so LSU played nobody yesterday. Right. Versus we absolutely destroyed a top 15 Michigan team. Yeah. Uh, I think Ohio State has moved farther ahead as the number one seed uh, from LSU. Uh, And, you know, I think as long as Ohio State wins, I don't think, you know, unless they win in double overtime or something like that, like, I think if they win by two touchdowns, I think they're fine. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't, regardless of what LSU does to Georgia. And by the way, I think that's going to be one of these typical SEC 52 50 games. <laughs> uh, I don't think that they risk falling from number one. I think the overall resume of Ohio State this year is that impressive. I think they're number one by a decent margin at this point. Ah, that's a good well, that's a, I that's agree. A point. Okay. I agree. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I think the one exception is if LSU completely destroys. Georgia and their defense somehow keeps the Georgia under 20 points, which, which is unlikely. Then perhaps they may get a little, they may be able to muscle their way in, but that would be only if uh, the Ohio state Wisconsin game is like under 10 points or under, but okay. even that even that would be a long shot. Okay. Well, that's, you, that, you make a good point there, Tim. I mean, clearly I think Ohio state, there's good reason to believe Ohio state really strengthened its hold on the number one, you know, ranking with that performance against Michigan yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. That's so what I think. Yeah. I wonder how things will play out for the number four. But really the intrigue, right? Any intrigue uh, with, with the, the playoffs is really with that number four spot where you've got Georgia in there now and Georgia figures to hang on to that. I think we're going to have the same top four, Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, Georgia after Tuesday. And then you have Utah who will more than likely, the question is, is Utah or Oklahoma 
replace Alabama at five. And then both of those teams, Utah and Oklahoma, have big conference title games that, you know, aren't gimmies. Utah gets Oregon out here in Santa Clara, and that's a game that could go either way. I haven't seen the line on that one. I know Oregon has two losses, but, you know, there's good reason to believe they can win that game. They can beat Utah. And then Oklahoma gets a rematch with Baylor um, in Jerry's world in Dallas, and that's a game I think one would think could go either way. So it'll be interesting. Who who sneaks in at number four? Ohio State, if they hang on to that number one seed, who's gonna be our who's gonna be our opponent there at number four? Do you guys think? Anybody have an opinion on that, Paige? What do you think? Too many variables. I think you you spelled it out. Um, yeah. I don't know. Oklahoma, maybe. I don't. But who knows? Didn't 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 Utah kind of struggle? Against Colorado, against the right? Buffs? Yeah. Who would yeah. you? All right. Here's a question: Who would you rather see? Assuming Ohio State holds on to the number one seed, do you have a preference of who we see at number four? Uh, Utah, I guess. I, I don't. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter. They're going to have to run the gauntlet. I, it's, the only thing that's best is if they don't have to play Clemson and LSU. Clearly, there's the three top teams and everybody else to have to, you know, win both is a, a much taller hill than just having only to beat one of them. So yeah. who's number four? I don't think it matters as much. Tim, what do you think? Um, it's hard not to kind of, I don't know, look at sort of the favorites here. I mean, I, I do think LSU beats Georgia, um, and so they fall away. And, you know, I think for the four spot, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if, if, if Utah beats Oregon – and you look at their loss versus Oklahoma's loss, it's better. So I think Utah gets it. Um, and the Pac-12 has been crying about the fact that they've been excluded for the last few years, and, uh, <laughs> and that's who I'd rather play. I think we would destroy Utah. Um, on the other hand, if Oregon can be Utah, we're definitely going to be playing Oklahoma, and I think, that's a, I think that's a tougher matchup. And frankly, I think for the committee – and I know they're not supposed to think about this. I think that's a better playoff picture, Ohio State versus Oklahoma and LSU versus Clemson. Yeah. So, you know, I, I probably see that as being how things play out. Uh, I didn't think Utah looked that good last night. I watched a little bit of the game. Yeah. Um, but I think they're totally beatable. Uh, and so I could, see, I could see Oklahoma sneaking in there. Yeah, yeah, I, I could too. If both teams win out... Yeah, then it comes down to the question of who's the better matchup, as you say. Well, no, I mean, they do think about that, right? Who is the better matchup? Who's the better team? And they're, and they're, they're what, they're, they're supposed to be putting the best teams in there, right? Not necessarily the most deserving. Well, then it comes down to a conversation of maybe best versus most deserving, I guess, in that case. Matt, do you have an opinion on that fourth spot? Real small opinion, as per usual. Um, I, I I think uh, I kind of you know I agree with Tim. I think like the team that looks like Oklahoma is the team that on that's going to make the most sense and to be the easiest one to justify, especially if they do they do well in their next game. And uh, I, I just don't see Utah going in unless they unless they pull a, an Ohio State and do an utter beatdown of Oregon to where it's like 52-7 or whatever, and they, they, they make a case. Right. But I don't see that happen. I think, you know, Oklahoma will probably, because it will make for a more compelling number four, because 
to Paige's point, there, the, you know, there's top, there's three top teams, and then there's everyone else. So put put whomever you want in there, but you should make that not a cakewalk. So of the teams that I've seen, I think Oklahoma would fit that bill the best. So what's the worst case scenario? Maybe the worst case scenario is Georgia beating LSU. LSU drops but still gets in, which I think they would. They would be your four seed, and Ohio State would have to go LSU and you know Clemson to, to get to the to, to get a championship. Uh, Page, as you pointed out, Matt, I know you're you're like, hey, we got to play two games anyway. You got to beat the best to be the best, and you know let the chips fall where they may. Mm-hmm. That'll be interesting to see. All right, well, yeah. By the way, like like that's kind of bullshit. Like. I honestly don't think Georgia should be four right now. Their loss to South Carolina is an abominable loss. That yeah. is a that is an Iowa and a Purdue loss. <laughs> that uh, was at home too. Of, I think of the one loss teams. You know, I think you should have Utah, Oklahoma, and Baylor all ahead of Georgia because they all have better losses than that. I think it's kind of bullshit. Yeah. The other thing I'd say too is that I didn't really realize it until I started looking at the schedules here. The one team who I'll say if they win and they're in is Baylor. If okay. Baylor beats Oklahoma and forces them into a two-loss territory, I, I almost don't care what Utah does. I think Baylor's in. Wow. Wow. Why do you think that? Just why? They, they play why a tougher schedule? Yeah, yeah, why? Because I they think that their anybody. one loss will be to Oklahoma, who's going to be a top-10 team. I think Utah and, and or Oregon's or anyone else who you want to talk about going in there doesn't look as good, assuming LSU beats Georgia. Yeah, I, I think Baylor has the next best resume at that point. They're eleven and one conference champ. Their one loss was to Oklahoma, who, by the way, they beat the shit out of in the first half. Yeah, and just totally went to sleep in the second half. So they played one bad half of football. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, so if Baylor comes out. If Baylor comes out and Utah comes out of their conference championship games, and and it's a comparison between the two, man, I think that's a tough call. I I I. Don't, because I don't think either team has really played much of anyone until they got to their conference title games. I mean, the big knock on Baylor going into the regular season matchup with Oklahoma, which they ultimately lost, was they hadn't played anybody. And Utah, you can kind of say the same thing. I mean, they really need this matchup with Oregon in the title game to give them really kind of anything. They don't, they're only lost this year. Actually, the only decent team they played this year is USC. And they lost. All right. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, another thing is too, and I this may be an unpopular opinion, but if I were going to pick like the other fourth team that, that I'd want in there, hate to say it, but I think it would be Alabama. Mm. They just had they played really crappy yesterday, but talent wise, and I, I I think they could hang with anyone. I just don't. They don't have a defense, just like LSU doesn't have a defense, but talent wise, that, but that yeah. But they, dude, they played two all season. They played two top twenty-five teams, and they got, but they got beat both times. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, the interesting thing is, you know, there's always this argument: like, okay, if Alabama were to play Utah on a neutral field and Baylor on a neutral field, what's the line of those games? Right? I mean, they're probably double-digit favorites in both of those games. But obviously, that's not I, I, how they decide <laughs> the playoff. Yeah, exactly. I, I like I, exactly. I know they. Don't, I couldn't. Ju- I can't justify it. I just just from watching them, they just played horrible. Like they should have killed Auburn, and they just they just 
missing field goals, penalties, stupid things left and right. Mm -hmm. And they didn't deserve – and I'm not saying that they deserve the win. I'm just saying that of the team and the players that they have, that Waddle, there's – geez, that guy's like like an otherworldly. I'm glad we don't Um, have to see those wide receivers, man. (laughs) I'm glad they're out of the discussion. Those guys are – that. they're a different level, man. All right, boys. Well, thanks for making the time. We'll – gather again later this week to have a peek at the Big Ten title game against Wisconsin and uh, until then have a great Sunday and go Bucks. Go Bucks, buddy. Go Bucks.